Thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Beauty Podcast. I'm your host, Priya Rao, Executive Editor at Glossy. And today's guest is Josh Wood, the founder and creative director of Josh Wood Color, his namesake brand. We recorded some of this episode before the coronavirus outbreak changed the world as we know it. So that's why I asked Josh to join me again via Zoom for a few extra questions. You'll hear those at the end of the episode. Josh, welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Priya. I really appreciate it. Yeah, Josh, your your background is quite interesting. And I'd love to hear a little bit more about finding your way um, to the beauty industry. Like, why, why hair color, of all things? I mean, you know, it's, it was pretty accidental. Um, I was at art college studying a foundation course, uh, not really knowing what I wanted to do. And I got a job in a hairdressing salon on a Saturday, like sweeping up hair, cleaning, bringing teas and coffees. Um, And I really realized very quickly that that was a really kind of great environment for me. I thought I could really thrive in that environment. So, um, yeah, I kind of fell into hairdressing. And then um, when I realized that I had a little skill for the the actual craft itself, I um, took myself off to Vidal Sassoon. At that moment in the late 80s, it was the place to be trained. So it was there that I specialised in hair colour. And again, a very straightforward shift from cutting and styling into colour because I was really, really not good at cutting and styling. So, uh, yeah, I found colour and I really really found my medium. And, yeah, that's what I've been doing ever since. I've never done anything else. I've only ever been a hair colourist. But you're also a founder. Yeah. And yeah, I've had my own business since 1999 in, in central London. Uh, that was my first salon. And now um, I've got my uh, salon in uh, Holland Park um, that I have had for eight years. And 18 months ago, I founded Joshwood Colour. So walk us back a little bit, Josh. You know, when you're thinking about, you know, becoming a founder, it's probably a dream of many entrepreneurs, many men and women out there. But you had a very extensive runway background, you know, Mm -hmm. fashion shows, creating some of the most avant-garde looks out there. You know, how do you translate that for an everyday customer? Um, It's a really great question. I I think, well, there's a a couple of things there. First of all, um, I don't really feel like a founder, Tell us more. I, well, you know, I'm still, I still practice coloring. I do two days a week in my salon. Um, so I'm directly working with men and women and listening to what they want and what they need and how things change. I'm very fortunate that I, I do still work on, on the catwalk. In fact, last week I created color for Alexander McQueen. Um, and it's really interesting, this almost this high-low way of working. Um, so in some ways I'm kind of creating trends and seeing how they resonate with people in my salon. But the Joshwood colour is, I mean, I, I always say I've, I've learned more about hair colouring in the last 18 months since we've had the brand uh, than I have in the 30 years that I've been colouring hair because having a direct communication with our customers online is just fascinating. Tell us a little bit about the kind of organic trajectory, because today, you know, being able to be a founder Mm -hmm. is almost very calculated, you know. And when you were starting your brand, there were some other very high profile uh, makeup artists and founders that came out of the space like Pat McGrath. Mm -hmm. You know, it seemed like that segue, we were back on that, that trajectory. Mm -hmm. So from your perspective, you know, being a little bit more calculated, being a more strategic 
was that second nature? Was that difficult? Having my own business since 19... I mean, when I first had my own business in 1999, I couldn't read a set of management accounts. You know, I had to learn. Somebody had to teach me. And I, I guess it's this feeling of pioneering that I love. And it, it feels very similar to when I'm creating a new trend or a new hair colour. It has that same kind of momentum and drive. Um, and yeah, with Joshwood Colour, found, founding that has been, uh, it's been challenging. It still is challenging because we're moving very much into um, the digital space from our bricks and mortar partner, which is Boots in the UK. Um, but I'm learning. And I think if I wasn't learning, it wouldn't feel as vital and it wouldn't feel maybe as exciting. So as I say, you know, slightly pioneering in the way that um, we're doing things differently there, there isn't really a blueprint for what we're doing which is um as pat has done as charlotte tilbury's done um you know expert driven creatives that are, uh, are finding a way to build businesses in a different way how do you think that compares to the larger influencer landscape and you know influencers who are working with contract manufacturers or product developers to bring quote unquote best in class product to customers uh, look, uh, the, the the arena of beauty, especially hair colour, which I specialise in, is a huge piece of business. $1.8 billion in, in the uh, United States. Um, I think influencers are, you know, they're very valid, they're very valuable. I think having people that... Um, can talk to a consumer and really resonate their their feelings and what they're what they're talking about is super important for everybody. I, I'm just a great believer that we're all connected. I think it's great to be talking beauty. It's certainly great to be talking hair color because for a long while that's been a really taboo subject. You know, home hair color. Shh, don't tell anybody. I do it at home. So talk to me a little bit about the D2C piece of it because obviously you know. So many women color their hair in salons. So many people buy boxed color in a Dwayne Reed here in mm -hmm. America or boots in the UK. So why did you see? Like, what was the rationale for something that's so personal, so customized to be sold online? Um, we did a mountain of market research, and it was evident to us that people that were shopping at Boots or Dwayne Reed, CVS, were really disappointed. They were disappointed with the experience, they were disappointed with the selection process, and they were really disappointed with the end result. Um, but there wasn't really anything else for them to do if they were you know, driven to colouring their home, uh, colouring their hair at home because of time constraints or finance. Um, they really felt that they were stuck in a place that they weren't happy with, but there was no alternative. So um, I really wanted to reach those people and have a conversation with them, democratise the 30 years worth of experience that I've got about, you know, probably coloured more. I wouldn't even want to count how many heads I've coloured. Um, and it, it's it's only through D2C that I can really have a direct communication. I mean, we're just about to, in, in April, we're launching our new digital offer. So uh, the, the digital platform that we've had uh, since launch just wasn't good enough for me. It needed improving. I wanted new technologies. I wanted to, I, I mean, I, I say to my, my, my digital team, I want every single person that comes to our site to really feel they've had my eyes on them. Um, and it's only 
through the digital offer that I, I believe we can do a really great consultation. And, it's, and consultation is vital to getting the right hair color. How do you think that plays back to, you know, franchise salons? You know, obviously you have your own salon. You, you know what that's like. Women color their hair at home, but then they also go to their salon stylist and they are kind of marrying those two worlds together. So how do you think that you're able to supplement that, that experience? Um, you know, the market segmentation is um, nowhere near as clear as it used to be. So there's, you know, there's a, there's a, part of the segmentation that is I go to the salon four times a year I top my hair up in between there's somebody that never goes to a salon there's only salon users I I think with social media and also online retail today um, those boundaries are completely being broken down people are buying hair color where they want it when they want it um, and that's really my um, my passion is to help to try to redefine the market so far. I mean, we launched in Boots 18 months ago. We were the fastest growing uh, home hair color brand ever in Boots. So proof of concept. We know that people love our products. We know that we have um, innovation that really helps people feel that they're getting a much more personalized hair color, much better condition at the end of their coloring process. Um, so yeah, it's, it's for, for me, we are, we are, we're not asking our consumer to come to us. We are going to them. How does that play back to your recent investment round last year? So we were very pleased to close our Series A. So I'm very proud to say it. I say it a lot. Uh, I've never had any investment in any of my businesses. Uh, you know, as I said, started in 1999. So it was a big step for me. So why did you do it? Um, Digital is really expensive. <laughs> uh, and the kind of products that we wanted to make uh, needed a certain um, kind of... The kind of products that we wanted to make take a long time. And I only ever wanted to work with the best formulators. So um, again, that was that took a piece of money to get those to get the innovation. My ideas around what I really felt our customer wanted, um, getting those formulations to to really perform was um, was a difficult, lengthy, and expensive process. And is part of that money going towards this new site that you guys are debuting? So, uh, last year, about eight new people joined my team. Uh, a really amazing lady who is uh, our managing director. And she is from a purely digital background. She was at swoon.com. Um, and yeah, I've built out marketing. I've built out content and comms. Um, and the tech team just seems, it's, it's like mushrooms. There's a new person every day I walk in. It seems it's like growing like mushrooms, you know? How much is that investment is used, going to be used to scaling globally? You know, obviously, America is a much bigger market than the UK. And, we you know, before we started this podcast, you know, we, we were talking about Brexit and GDPR. So what are you thinking about globally? Um, look, we are, we're launching in April. So this is pre-launch, really. Um, and we've got some really good data from the 18 months that we've had um, our site uh, and, and a presence on the high street with boots. Um, we, the, the, really the majority of the money is going towards building out the team and really building a best-in-class um, offer for our customer to trust us. 
and we you know we are we're testing all the time we're researching all the time um i'm building a global brand let's not mess let's not you know let's not mince words we i want to reach everybody I, I really believe everybody deserves the best hair color they can possibly get um but we've got to do it steadily and slowly i i don't want to come to north america and not be prepared um, I'm not willing to burn through cash, and I'm certainly not willing to disappoint any of our clients. How do you think your proposition compares with some of the U.S. native brands that are trying to do this, whether it's Madison Reed that really just are, are using their dollars today to franchise and to use a franchise model, or L'Oreal and Color & Co., which, you know, is their first D2C business that they've ever really incubated within L'Oreal's four walls? Um, you know, I have huge respect for Madison Reed. Um, I mean, if you know, if I could only be half as successful as they are, uh, their products are great. I love, I love everything they do. I guess for me, I want to build out something that has, um, as I say, my eyes on it, an expert voice, um, and dare, you know, uh, not wishing to sound um, competitive. But, you know, I'm working on the catwalk. I'm creating trends. I'm still coloring hair in salon. I'm, I, I've, I've got creativity is at the core of what I do. And I think ultimately at the end of the day, so far what our online customers and our Boots customers have told us is that the results of our products and especially our personalization tool um, and especially the way that we personalize hair color is very different from anything else that they've tried. So I guess um, great that somebody's gone before, uh, great learns. As I say, huge market, there's room for us all, but I'm doing it purely coming at it from an expert perspective with creativity and personalization at the core of everything that we do. How would you say that compares to some of the legacy brands out there? Because they have not, you know, innovated or, you know, even adapted their marketing in a lot of ways to uh, correspond to evolving customer needs. I think uh, the legacy brands are what have given me permission to be sat here today talking to you. I think the world's changed. Uh, certainly in some of the market research that we, we've done globally, uh, you know, if, if you are seeing the first gray hairs you know you can be 25 you can be 35 it's not age related graying um a lot of people that can't afford to go to salon or there isn't there isn't an offer out there that they feel that they want to commit themselves to they have no choice other than the choices that their mothers had and probably their grandmothers had and that is not sexy you know, thinking that you are going to end up in a situation where you become really reliant on a product that you don't like the, the end result. Where would you say your customer falls into that range? Like, is she, psych what is she like psychographically, demographically? Is she younger? Is she older? What's the gamut? Uh, again, a lot of research we did before launch turned out to be not exactly the footprint or the fingerprint of who our customer was. Um, we have really got, we, we're really looking at two ends of the hair coloring market. We're looking at the cover gray market mm -hmm. um, and we have a really amazing product, no, no ammonia, no PPD, uh, very safe, very conditioning. And we're also looking at a slightly younger product with our gloss product. Uh, we are probably one, we're certainly the first um, company in, in the UK to launch a, a semi-permanent gloss that's captured within a, in a hair treatment. So it's conditioning as it's colouring. So 
Sorry to, for the long-winded answer, but we're talking to anybody that is um, inquiring, looking for solutions for grey hair. Um, I can't see that we'll ever have a bleach product. I don't think we'll ever probably have a balayage product because I'm a great believer that probably those services need to be done in a salon with skills. It's very, very hard to do a great balayage uh, for me. Uh, so I, I wouldn't be confident that people would get the results that they're looking for at home. You're always fine, Priya, if you are working in a in a with a demographic of person that their hair color is fairly light. You know, like a dark blonde, little you know, light brown. But if if you're if you're talking to somebody that's got a, a very dark base color or a very light base color, it's super hard to get the subtleties and to get a natural looking hair color. You're talking to a brunette, Josh. I know. A very pretty brunette. <laughs> but Josh, you know, you obviously have an omni-channel strategy in mm -hmm. the UK. You have a big business of Boots. Um, you know, arguably Boots is the Sephora of, of the UK. So when you're thinking about the US, I mean, what does that plan look like? Are you thinking about Sephora? Are you thinking about Ulta? You know, the professional channel versus the consumer channel? Um as I say, you know, I've been here in New York for a couple of days and I've been talking to lots of people and some retailers. The strategy of having a bricks and mortar partner, an exclusive bricks and mortar partner in every territory and then, you know, really focusing on consultation, education, personalization on our D2C um, offer has worked really well in, in the UK. You know, so well that, you know, Index Ventures were happy to um, you know, come in on a, on a Series A round for us. So proof of concept works. Um, I'd like to find a, a bricks and mortar partner in the US that shares the same passion and vision to really help us blow the lid off the home hair color market. Um, you know, I think what we really want to do is serve our customer best. So we have to find the right bricks and mortar partner if we're going to use the same strategy here in the US uh, that we have in the UK. But I don't see any reason that we shouldn't. So I, I really love the idea that we can be on the high street. Today, I would imagine that most people in the, U in the US, like the UK, are buying their home hair color in their local chemist or pharmacy. Um, we just need to start to have a different dialogue with that with that customer. So many, we talked to so many founders here on the Glossy Beauty podcast, and some of them are, you know, so gun ho for being in front of the camera, for being the the person that is talking and and being seen on Instagram or social media. How do you feel about it? Are you able to and want to do that? Um, I, I love a good chat, as you can possibly tell. You're great. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I, I, yes, I, I'm, I'm very willing to be where I'm needed. But I think we're moving into a time where we don't need another celebrity hairdresser. We certainly don't need a celebrity colorist. Uh, but where I'm really happy to step up and show up is with my expertise. So if I can help, uh, be it online, be it on Instagram, be it on a telephone or on TV, to help people get better hair color through what I've learned in the 30 years that I've been coloring hair, I'll be there for that customer. Thank you so much, Josh. It was great having you. Thank you so much, Freya. Hi, Josh. Thanks for joining me again. How are you? Hey, Priya. Thank you for having me back. I mean, it seems like a million years ago since we were sat in New York together, but I'm safe. And Good. Things, things are challenging here in London, as I'm sure they are everywhere else, but um, we're staying home. We're staying safe. 
Good, good. I know it was just a month ago, early March, that we last spoke. So I imagine a lot of things have changed in the sense of how you're handling your day-to-day business. I mean, obviously, you're not going out. Uh, you're not going to the office. How are your employees? How is your, your retail partners? Yeah, I mean, we, um, you know, we had to take very quick action. My, um, my salon in uh, London, the atelier, closed uh, very quickly. Uh, we had we had over eighty employees there, all of which have had to be, um, you know, kind of reassured and treated differently. Unfortunately, some tough decisions around redundancies because those roles just won't be active in our brand and business when we get back to work. But um, yeah, we've worked through that. We've made sure everybody feels, um, you know, secure in where they're at. And um, yeah, it really is day by day. But um, yeah, that's where we are. No salon operations at the moment. But boy, oh boy, the D2C has gone crazy. Tell me about that, Josh, because obviously that was um, the bulk of your business before you went into Boots and, and before you even kind of considered what you would be doing on the retail front here in the U.S. or globally. So how are you engaging? Is it social media? Is it live streaming? Is it one-on-one consultations? Yeah, I mean, all of those things. I think the things that are really interesting for us, we're actually... Uh, relaunching our site completely uh, next week, uh, which is high risk for us, um, you know, in, just in the way that people are, I guess, used to the site as it stands. But we need more functionality. We need, be able, we need to be able to connect in a different way. We've pulled forward our innovation launches in one-to-one consultations. Uh, funnily enough, we have a lot of very expert hairdressers and colorists that are at the moment not able to do very much. So they've been amazing in connecting with our online community. Um, Our live chat is popping off and we've got video consultations. Uh, We're just about gearing up. We'll be ready in the next week or so to do online tutorials as well, helping people uh, not only to find the right hair color for themselves, but how to apply. Right. So Josh, when you think about that, like I know you were planning that site relaunch, you were planning these one-on-one consultations prior to, you know, when the world changed about a month ago, but how were you able to kind of expedite that or think about priorities? Well, you know, I have a really amazing uh, managing director in Claire, and I I think almost Priya, what's happened is you know, we were very leisurely working through our workflow and, you know, obviously beta testing and, and really making sure everything was kind of like watertight. What the, uh, what the need for people to have expert eyes on them and expert uh, consultations and recommendations has meant is we've just pulled everything forward. It's all a little kind of cranky around the edges and, you know, we're being really honest about that. But What's, mo- what's most important for our person that's at home, maybe coloring their hair for the first time ever at home is just that they've got somebody by their side, somebody in the bathroom with them. So expediting all of our innovation has meant maybe it isn't as slick as we would have had it, but you know, we're there, we're there to help. And I think that's what's really resonating. Tell me about that, Josh, because I know one of the things that I talk to a lot with other beauty founders or I've talked to about with a lot of other beauty founders is that, you know, they're worried that some of these um, add-on services, whether it's like, you know, Botox or Prestige lipstick, those are things that will get cut immediately. But hair color, you know, women, whether or not 
you know, they're going out or going or staying at home, they don't want their roots to show or they want to make sure that they look just as good um, on their Zoom calls as we are doing right now yeah. <laughs> um, as they are when they're out. So is that something that you're worried about at all, just in terms of, you know, where people are cutting or, or where they're saving and what they're willing to spend on? You know, I think for us as a brand right now, we have a very strong salon business. We have a very, very strong bricks and mortar business. Um, it's really being there for those people primarily to start with. You know, some of the really, some, when I've been on kind of some of the live chat, uh, you know, uh, what I'm hearing is, oh my God, I can't have the Zoom call because what I've noticed is all the time I'm putting my head down to type and all people are seeing at the top of my head and it's gray and I'm not wi- I'm not willing to reveal that on a Zoom. That's so um, funny. Yeah. Um, and, and also as well, on, I think on a much more kind of emotional level, you know, what we're hearing is uh, people that are saying, look, if I can just keep those really small things, um, you know, going, I can, if I can just really keep my regime, my beauty regime of hair color intact, it really allows me to, you know, be able to deal with the bigger picture. You know, I'm still full-time working. Now I've got the kids at home. I'm, you know, it's almost like a, a lot of the people that are talking to us, their roles have kind of grown by 50%. Absolutely. And, and just keeping the small things together, I think, gives the building blocks to keep the bigger things together. How is that going for you personally? Because, you know, I, I, I imagine you're making a lot of short-term decisions. I imagine you're looking at your numbers and your books and, and your needs and efficiencies very critically right now. But then how do you plan for the long term for when we're out of this? Like, what's your, how is your priorities internally changing? Um, great question. Um, again, it's, you know, the first week that we're in now here in the UK has, has been like firefighting. So it's listening to what the government are telling us, how we can best, you know, furlough employees, how we can defer taxes. Um, you know, really, in, in one way, it's very, it's very analog. It's very much like, um, you know, how can we really slow things down in a way that allows us to last for the longest period possible? On the other side of the business, the digital, it's like everything's ramping up. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm getting used to it. It's, I think, having a business for 30 years, um, being in the business, sorry, for 30 years, and certainly having my own business for 20 years, although I've never faced anything anything like this at all. There have been other kind of challenges that have come along. So I'm able to chip away a little bit at the, at the, you know, the kind of iceberg of the challenge that we've got at the moment, the Corona 19. But um, it, it's, it really is just day by day checking in with my team and figuring out, you know, what are the things that we can achieve today? Where do we need to kind of put our focus? But I guess long-term looking at uh, re-entry after COVID-19 back into society, it's probably about the reality that we're going to have a very, very different business than we had when we closed our doors a week ago. Absolutely. And I mean, I guess, Josh, for you, um, digital was always a big part of what your business model was about. And, you know, Boots is a very strong partnership. and as you look to retail and that omni-channel uh, discussion that we have in beauty so much, like what is the right, what do you foresee as the right mix today? And then obviously, you know, 
maybe in six months from now. Well, it's really fascinating because a couple of um, kind of pure play, really big uh, digital online retailers, you know, maybe more uh, high-end beauty or, or in fashion have already approached me to partner with them. They, they did that within the first three or four days of it looking like we were closing down because we have an offer that people really want. Uh, they feel it's a necessity for them. We've got an expert voice. I've got my links to the fashion world. So there's there's that credentialing there. We are talking to those people. I mean, I mean, I'm not, I can't say who they are right now because we're just too early in the conversation, but it's super interesting for me. Boots, as always, the doors are open. They're there to help uh, the, the British consumer. Um, I think looking forward, um, I'm, I'm really getting a real understanding of what at home really means uh, for, our, for our community. And I think building out a world that will mean people have got much more choice, really, when we, um, when we reopen the doors, because they'll have been in a, they'll have been in a digital-only world for such a period of time. It's really giving me and the team great creativity and great bandwidth to be able to really think how we can best support our person at home with every element of what they need or, or even what they've been used to in salon. Um, you know, really, really package things up that really means that they can get best results at home. Josh, you know, on the authenticity front and, you know, those partnerships that, you know, you've had forever in fashion, although you won't tell me who they're with yet, you know, how important is that collaborative process across retailers, across brands? Because, you know, everybody's going through it. So when you're leaning on, you know, how to talk about taxes or furloughs or talking about what to do on Instagram, do you feel a sense of camaraderie with partners, a sense of collaboration that may not have been there before? Yeah, I mean, it's really, really interesting because I think the tone of voice is completely changing. So for instance, somebody that I was talking to actually while I was in New York when I I, I had the luxury of meeting you, you know, they were saying to me, well, we would really struggle to sell, you know, like a Gucci handbag and then home at home hair color on our site. That conversation's completely turned on its head in the matter of a week, which is, you know, this kind of idea of high low to the consumer doesn't exist. It exists if you're a retailer. It does not exist if you are somebody trying to go on a site, get in, get inspiration, you know, l- you know, look at what new trends are or what's coming, but also as well buy a staple that in that moment is going to make you feel better about your day-to-day existence right now while we're all kind of in our homes. I bet being in a, in a mass retailer right now that does understand that mix is more important than ever too, because, you know, at least here in the U S you know, those brands, you may not be thinking about, you know, hair color may be the third or fourth thing on your list after, you know, your food and grocery, but you know, here we're seeing a boom at places like target and Walmart and obviously Amazon, because that's where people can go. You can't go into you know, Neiman Marcus or Sephora right now. So for you, I'm sure that's really important as well, right? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, I do think that the uh, retail environments are very, very different between the UK and North America, uh, because you know, a lot of people that have been using home hair color for a long period of time, and maybe they've been disenchanted with it, are really buying it when they're doing their weekly grocery shop. Okay, they may only buy it once a month from their, you know, their um, their grocers, but that's where they've been buying it. So having a uh, still being able to have a door that's open on the high street with boots, which is, is in theory a pharmacy. So it's one of the critical things to stay open um, is, is a great avenue for us. What we're finding again is it's the lack of expert knowledge. It's the lack of being able to be there, the lack of connecting with people that can make people feel confident about their choices and what they're doing. It's that element that our D2C linked with the fact that you can still buy a product on the high street. For me, that's the golden triangle of really, really being able to be there for people. Thank you so much for joining me, Josh. Obviously, wishing you lots of luck and health and safety in your brands. And we're, we'll be talking, I'm sure. Thank you again for being here. Thank you so much, Priya. Lovely to see you again. Thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Beauty Podcast. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. Tune in next week for another episode. And if you know someone or more than one who should be listening to the Glossy Beauty Podcast, please have them subscribe. See you next week.